three WCTs after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Saturday morning here, a pretty decent Saturday morning on this uh, December 15th. Can you believe it? Another week will go by and it'll be Christmas. Only about uh, 10 more days until the fat man comes to your house and delivers packages if you believe in Santa. But guess what we got on the, uh, on the phone lines? No, he's not the fat man. It's Derek Hutchinson. He's Hutch's clutch for us. He's a sports writer for Local 4 News covering Michigan football and basketball. The Tigers and the Lions. Let's welcome in Derek Hutchinson here on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, what's up, Derek? Hey, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. You know, two Derricks always make a right, as I, some people have told me in yeah. the recruiting <laughs> circles. And uh, once again, bringing you on, look at the Michigan perspective of Michigan football and basketball. And uh, Derek, we'll get, all, get started with uh, basically uh, what happened with Michigan football. It looked like they were on the revenge tour, and it was great. But then, obviously, it kind of fell apart against uh Ohio State. I got to say this. I think you guys had a really great season. Um, Notre Dame, the first game of the season, obviously you guys at least were trying to play some competition in your first three games. And I think with that Ohio State loss, it kind of took away from really a season that you you, you accomplished a lot. But I wanted to get your thoughts about it and what people thought about that up there in the mitten. Yeah, it's, it's funny kind of how the Michigan season is being looked at nationally. Um, when you compare it to an, another school, maybe even like Georgia, like you said, you think Michigan had a good season. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, but that Ohio State loss just really, it put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And instead of hearing, you know, Jim Harbaugh's fourth year, they won 10 games, got a chance to win 11. Um, you're hearing, you know, can't beat Ohio State, uh, can't win the big games still. So <clears throat> it's all about Ohio State for Michigan and that was the case again this year uh, as as for what happened during the game I think it was a reminder that coming into the season uh, Ohio State has the best players in the Big Ten by far they have the best recruiting classes um, mm-hmm. their, ros- their roster is probably second only to Alabama in the country and uh, they kind of lulled us all to sleep with their average play against you know Maryland Minnesota the sort of the middle of the pack of the Big Ten <clears throat> excuse me and then when, when it came to the time for the Michigan game, it was, you know, full speed ahead. You had Ohio State's full attention, and we saw what they can do when uh, when they bring it. So Michigan didn't have the horses to keep up with that. And, you know, even though it was it was the score was close at halftime, you, you could tell that Michigan wasn't getting out of Columbus with a win because they were scoring at will against, you know, what had been a dominant defense. Um, Michigan, even though they scored, you know, they ended up scoring 39 points. The offense wasn't that effective. So 
all in all, I think it was just a reminder of where Ohio State is as a program and how where Michigan's trying to get to. Well, even if saying that, and we were talking a little bit off air about me being a JV coach at Maumee and, 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 and trying to build a program, and that's what, you know, basically Jim Harbaugh's building. Ohio State obviously has the better recruiting classes, has the edge on the talent a little bit, but I've noticed this in sports, and you know I don't know how much older I am than you are, but I've noticed in this era with a lot of young men, and I mean this through high school to college, sometimes is it about talent or is it just the mental makeup? Sometimes you just get a team where they have that mental edge. You need that aha moment or that game that says, okay, we could actually compete with these guys. There's definitely a mental hurdle that Michigan needs to get over right now. Um, I don't think it's necessarily there leading up to the game. But I think as soon as something goes wrong, uh, as soon as Ohio State gets a lead, something like that, then, you know, those doubts start to creep into Michigan players' mind. Um, Even, you know, you look at the senior class that just left, guys like Chase Winovich, Brandon Watson. um, They never beat Ohio State. And they're some of the guys who were asked to, you know, be be the leaders and be the flag carriers in this year's game and, and you know, Michigan didn't have any sacks. Uh, they didn't even pressure Haskins once. Um, Brandon Watson really struggled. Uh, they picked on him uh, in the passing game. So it, it, those guys who have never experienced beating Ohio State, I do think once the game starts and once Ohio State starts, you know, scoring, running it up a little bit, it does it does become a factor. It becomes the point where, oh, here we go again. Exactly. Yeah, yep. I, I, I kind of like I said, that's where it goes. You have they have a little bit of that confidence and that swag, and it's almost like a, a fight. You get that you get that punch, but then it's like, whoops, it's just not there anymore. So much, so much in sports, especially college sports, is you know about confidence. And um, when one team goes into the biggest game of the season knowing they're going to win every single year. Right. And one team goes in just, you know, praying that somehow, some way they can get a win and all the pressures on that team, uh, that that's an additional hurdle for Michigan on top of, you know, Ohio state having more speed, uh, more depth in, in the trenches and, you know, more, more NFL talent even. So mm-hmm. it, it, I think Michigan is heading in the right direction, but Ohio state isn't, isn't heading back down towards Michigan. So it's it's up to Michigan to sort of close that gap. Yeah, because I'm looking at the standings here. Eight and one, they were tied 8 and 1 in the in a in the uh, East and Ohio State obviously had a little bit of a better record at 12 and 1 and 10 and 2, but then it's like there's a huge gap between first and second, which I don't understand in today's sports. I mean, even think about it. Northwestern ended up 8 and 1, and Ohio State has a huge gap over them. How yeah. is it, how did it get to the point where Ohio State just has this gap over the other Big Ten teams. It seems like it's Ohio State and then the rest. Well, Michigan obviously went through a period, uh, a seven-year period, when they made they made bad hires. Um, they, you know, Rich Rod, Brady Hoke, those were not the right coaching hires, and um, and it set them back. And seven years is almost two full, you know, four year cycles for a college football program. Mm -hmm. And when, when you're down for that long, it's a total rebuild. And, and no matter what anybody says, Michigan and Ohio state are the two 
traditional powers in the Big Ten. And when one of them is down to the point where Michigan was, there's really nothing standing in Ohio State's way. And, and that they knocked the Urban Meyer higher out of the out of the park. And, you know, he did what he does. He got every recruit he wanted. He won every game, more or less. Uh, he won Big Ten championships. He won a national championship. And you know how it is in college football. The, the rich get richer because wins breed wins. The, the recruits want to win. Um, the player, the recruits want to play for teams they see on TV in the, in the college football playoff, you know, winning the big 10 championship, stuff like that. So, um, there was just really, there was nobody else in the big 10 to really stop Ohio state from just becoming this, you know, this monster. And so now teams like Penn state, Michigan, Wisconsin, and and it, it has been Michigan state the past, you know, going on a decade here are just trying to catch up yeah that and that's the, the the catch-up job now what do you think will happen will the balance come back now that urban meyer's retiring and I, ryan day's there and let's face it ryan day doesn't have that cachet as right. an urban meyer there's there's two points you need to make when you talk about this one uh we don't know if ryan day is going to be a, a great coach he might be um, the way Ohio State has handled their hires uh, over the last several decades, you you tend to believe they knew that this guy was going to be good when they hired him. Um, but no matter how good he is, he's not. Chances are he's not going to be Urban Meyer, who's one of the best few coaches ever. So when Urban Meyer stepped down, that was good news for Michigan. That was good news for the Big Ten. Uh, really good news for everybody um, because, like you said, Ryan Day doesn't walk into a living room and have the same cachet as urban Meyer does. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the experience of winning three national championships. So it, that was, that was a, you know, a positive for Michigan, but they still need to clear that mental hurdle and they still need to actually go out and win the game at home next year. And once that happens, I think one win can do a lot and it can really turn the tide and in the Michigan Ohio state series, which has been a series of, you know, back and forth dominance. Um, this is the most dominant stretch by one team in the rivalry's history. But you know, if Michigan start, you know, rips off a couple against Ryan Day, you never know. Right. And so now, from Michigan standpoint, where do you see the program at right now? I mean, it, it seemed like the program was going up, 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 and then after this loss, it looked like it just knocked the wind that's out their sails. I mean, it was like you guys actually had a really good season, but. Unfortunately, in this Twitter world and in the social media world, you're only as good as your last game. I think even if Michigan ends up beating, you know, Florida in the Peach Bowl, people will still talk about, well, yeah, you got blown out by Ohio State. And even though you had a, a season where you went 11 and two, I mean, it's like it's almost like no one's satisfied. If if Michigan go 11 and two and your fans are still grumpy and upset about it, what, what would it be like if the team only has you know th- get, only has three losses? It's like then what happens? Well, that's how you know Michigan is back, right? When when the team is eleven and two and people are still mad, um, I, I it was funny the the entire week after the Ohio State game, I was surprised at how much I found myself defending Michigan and defending Jim Harbaugh because uh, I did think that that was you know an inexcusable performance in the biggest game, and um, essentially they dropped the ball and and everything they did ended up being or nothing, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't, you know, they, like you said, they got a share of a division championship. They, 
won the 10 games they won they they ran through the entire big 10 and, until they got to ohio state so the, in terms of the program i think I, I i wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about where michigan stands nationally and i think there's the elite tier of teams there's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, you know, you can throw maybe Oklahoma and Georgia in there, but Michigan is right after those teams. Um, there's nobody who's won as consistently over the last four years since Harbaugh got in Ann Arbor um, outside those four, te- four or five teams, then Michigan. Um, there's nobody else in the Big Ten besides Ohio State who's currently, you know, as, as established year to year as Michigan. So I don't think there's reason to panic. I think Michigan is losing to a team that everybody loses to. And that's the one hurdle they need to get over. If, if they beat Ohio state this year or in 2016, um, which is obviously a much closer game. Uh, then we're talking about how, you know, Michigan has won a big 10 and Michigan has gotten to the playoffs. So it's not so much about Michigan failing to, to get over the hump as much as it is. Ohio state has just been so good. And it's extremely difficult to beat them. And, you know, that's the last step that they need to take. And like I said, some of the times I tell people it's easier said than done. And, you know, I right. mean, Ohio State just has that machine up there. What's the, the But then also some people compare them to Michigan State. Is that rivalry really growing? I mean, I call it we call it down here the Little Brother Bowl. But it seems like Michigan State and Michigan, it's starting to become really heated and intense. Now, granted, Mark D'Antonio – has done a great job bringing that program back and making it competitive because there were some decades where Michigan State football was just straight hot garbage, as Frank Vashner likes to say. And he's a Michigan State fan, and it was known as a basketball school. But what are the thoughts on that as, as well? Because they compare Harbaugh and say, you know, oh, well, you, you got to beat these guys. I mean, it's almost like the deck is stacked against them. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great rivalry now. Um, this is the best that I've seen it because – most years since Harbaugh got here, both teams are either very good or, you know, one team is very good and has a lot on the line. Um, this year it was a ranked game. Two years ago it was a ranked game. Or I'm sorry, uh, last year, uh, in 2015 it was a ranked game. So I think, uh, I think Michigan State is – I think right now is an important time for Michigan State. Um, they had their run of – you know, I think it was five seasons of at least 11 wins in seven years. And now they're sort of, uh, they're sort of sputtering a little bit. They went three and nine two years ago. They went, you know, they bounced back last year. This year they go seven and five. But I think that the Michigan, Michigan state rivalry is as good as it's been um, in terms of both teams being competitive. And uh, you, you referenced Mark D'Antonio. I think he's, you know, he's one of the best coaches in the Big Ten, uh, right up there with Harbaugh, and I guess we can't say Urban Meyer anymore, but maybe Paul Christ from Wisconsin. And, you know, is it a lot of people, a lot of Michigan State fans are up in arms about the coordinators. So maybe the question for him this offseason is, does he make a change? You know, is he going to go out and hire somebody to run the offense? But either way, you know, the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, it's, it's really taken off. And you saw how heated it was during before after the game this year yeah tearing um, up the I, field I, in the middle yeah. and then you know the warm-up deal and this and that and, <laughs> and personally i love that I, I think i think college sports are you know better with hatred mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh better when the games mean more so I, I don't see i don't see the game next year in the big house being any you know less meaningful or less heated 
Now, I will say this. Um, the last few years, they've talked about the quarterback play. And if you really think about the stuff that Michigan has accomplished before this season, they probably accomplished a lot considering that the quarterback play had a big red question mark. Mm-hmm. This year, now, they they brought in Patterson, Shea Patterson. <laughs> Guys from the Toledo area went to Ole yep. Miss. Mm-hmm. I think he was slightly better than the quarterbacks you've had in the past, but I didn't see a dramatic difference. I don't see superstar written on him. You know, I, I you know, I don't see a Tua or Deshaun Watson type of quarterback. I mean, what were your thoughts on how he played this season? I he certainly wasn't a superstar, um, but I think I think it's hard to be a superstar quarterback with the offense that Michigan runs. Um, they don't throw it a lot. When they do, it's not always going to be like downfield passes or anything flashy. But I thought Patterson was, I thought he was miles better than, than what Jim Harbaugh has had the last few years. He, the threat of the run was, was a new twist that really opened up Michigan's offense. Um, he, he, until the Ohio State game was on pace to set the completion percentage record in Michigan football history. And there have been a lot of really good quarterbacks, obviously, that went through that program. So, um, Patterson was, he, he really saved Michigan this year. I think Dylan McCaffrey was a good, he he was a good backup when he came in. I think he's going to be really good when he's the starter, but I I think that Patterson was, if, if not the most valuable player on Michigan's roster this year, one of the two or three most valuable. Do you think that what you, you talked about the offense and other people did say this, with that offense, do you think he's going to have to change it up a little bit? Because some people are saying, you know, you can't play that old school three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, you got to mm-hmm. open it up. Or does it, you know what, this is Michigan's personnel. The receiver, some people, were, wasn't it an odd stat that a receiver hadn't scored a touchdown in, what, in two years mm-hmm. of a pass? It, was that due to the offense, or is it they just don't have really great receivers? Last year, the the reason that that stat, that stat happened last year was, the, the quarterback play, they just could not get the ball to their receivers. Uh, <laughs> there were some, there were some wide open chances uh, for receivers to catch touchdowns last year, but they were young. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones was, mm, he was not, he was a really raw player last year. He, he wasn't a great route runner. He wasn't getting as open as he is now. And that combined with, you know, quarterbacks like John O'Corn, Wilton Spate, guys who just, just don't have the arm talent that Shea Patterson does mm-hmm. that it, it sort of all came together in a, in a perfect storm where, you know, Michigan finished the season with nine touchdown passes and 10 interceptions. So when you, when you see it, when you have more picks than, than touchdown passes in a season, it's going to be an ugly offensive year. Um, but you can see now they've got, they've got good weapons. They've got people's Jones. He looks like a number one receiver. Um, Nico Collins is very good downfield threat. They've got a couple tight ends who can play in the passing game. Um, I, I think, I think they do need to open up the offense a little bit, um, in order to beat teams like Ohio State because because they're not, no matter how good the defense is, they're never going to hold Ohio State to you know ten to fourteen points in a game. So they need to be able to compete in a little bit more of a shootout style game. And I think that the Ohio State this game year, uh, the Ohio State game this year was a reminder of that. Mm-hmm. And so now they end up playing. What are your thoughts now with them playing Florida real quick? Um, if it wasn't the third time in four years that they've played Florida, I think people <laughs> it would does be really, seem like because I like Florida. Yeah. It's like it's the only time. How are you always playing you all the time? Yeah, I think if it wasn't for that, people would be really excited. It's one of the few top ten matchups 
um, in the bowl season. Uh, two two teams that are at very, very different points. Jim Harbaugh sort of built a consistent team in Michigan, and Dan Mullen is sort of trying to, you know, rebuild Florida back up to what it was. So it, it's two good teams. It's um, it's two you know, traditional powers. It, it's a big bowl game. Michigan's never played in the peach bowl. So it's an opportunity for Michigan to win a bowl. It's never been to. Um, and, and if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, the uniforms have been on the field three times, the same field three times in the last four years, I think people would be a little bit more excited. Mm. Oh, that, that, that's, that's uh, uh, pretty exciting. Your thoughts on the college football playoffs. Should they expand it? Should they go to maybe eight teams or four? Is it good? Good. Oh man, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> I have a lot of time. I mean, uh, you know, listen, I, I, I am all for expanding the playoff. I, I think I just don't understand how you can have a sport where the game, the, the championship is decided in a room full of, you know, mid sixties men instead of on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, it, even, even though this is highly unlikely, there is a scenario where you could have you know, an undefeated team from all five power conferences and an undefeated Notre Dame. And, and two of those teams wouldn't even get a chance to, uh, to play for a championship. And that, that, that'll never happen. But the fact that that possibility even exists is just crazy to me. Now that that being said, I do think they should go to eight. I don't think there should be automatic bids for conference champions or a group of five team. If, if you go to eight, I think you need to have, a qualifier that that teams need to be you know ranked in the top 12 or something like that to be eligible because um if a team like pittsburgh had beaten clemson in the acc championship this year that that five loss pittsburgh team does not deserve to be in the college football playoffs. so um there's some kinks to work out I, I definitely understand that it's it's a lot trickier than just saying okay let's go to eight but uh, i think they need to get that done i guess on my point is this is that it's almost to the point where the conference, I think the conference championships have to mean something because you do play for it and you get to the conference championship. And I'm thinking now how this setup is set up. Georgia, Alabama play each other. Alabama knows if we lose, we're still going to get in the playoff. And you didn't even win your conference championship compared to other conference championship games where, dude, we got to win plus we got to win by uh, give them the other team a 30 ball if we want to get a look at it. So it, it almost to me seems like I think that, and I see what you're saying, you want the, the eight best teams in there, but it almost seems like you got to get rewarded for winning your conference championship. There there has to be something there for it because it's like, well, what's the point of playing the conference championship if it doesn't mean anything? Because there's some teams, you know, there's some years in the SEC championship who no matter who wins or loses – you're going to be in the playoff no matter right. what. And it's just kind of like, well, wait a minute. But then you got these other conference championships where it's like, yeah, you win, but you go in the somebody doesn't care bowl. It's like, well, wait a minute. Now, come on. Yeah. One one thing that I'll touch on is it, I, I don't want the eight best teams. I, I want the eight most deserving teams from any given season. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, if Alabama had lost two games this year, they're still the best team, but I don't want them in the playoff. I want the regular season to dictate who gets a chance to play for a national championship. Right. And, um, and, you know, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily guaranteed to be the case with the current system. Um, If you, if you expand to eight, yeah, yes. The conference championship games might mean less in, in certain instances, but you also have an additional round of playoff games that mean more. 
So instead of the, the occasional undeserving team might get into a field of eight, but that will take care of itself because, you know, Alabama will truck stick them in the first round. So um, I would rather have the occasional undeserving team get in and get and lose than have a deserving team get left out without ever getting a chance. Um, and so for me, the discussion is fun with four because, you know, so there's going to be a couple of teams that think they should be get that should be in that get left out every year, but for the better of the sport and for making sure that we get the right teams in there with a chance, I, I, I just think they, there needs to be at least six, ideally eight teams. Now, also there, UCF gets the chance in there. Their situation, what do you think about them? <clears throat> do you think that they usually have this four-team playoff, so it kind of keeps out the teams like UCF? So if they do get a big upset, they, you see what I'm saying, where they need they need a shot at it. I mean, I almost think – I think six teams, to me, is good. You've got five power conferences. You win the conference championship. You get in, and in the group of five, basically the best out of them get in there, and you can play six. Maybe. So then, what if um, uh, what if Notre Dame is deserving? Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot they're not in a conference. <laughs> so, the, see, it's just it's tricky. And and with UCF, I think I mean college football is the only sport in America where you can go undefeated and you don't even get a shot at a national championship. Yeah, that's that weird. That being said, I don't I don't think with four teams UCF is should be in. Right. Um. As as terrible as I think it is, you know, with the system, and and I think that it should be expanded so that they do get a shot. But right. it, you, you can't you can't have your best win be, be Pittsburgh and play for a national championship. It it just you know it, it it's a crappy situation for them. And and when things expand, if they're still winning at this level, I think they'll get a shot. But I don't how, think they're one of the four best teams. So how is it that the FCS level can do the playoff, but not <laughs> not the FBS? Yeah, it's it's confusing, right? I mean, you think you you got all these, you know, quote unquote brilliant minds in a room, and and it seems like the NCAA and and you know the Power Five conferences they just they never seem to just get things completely right. So uh, you know, for the fans, for for all the people who follow the sport, you know, hopefully soon. We'll, we'll get an improvement on the current system. Derek Hutchison here on after further review. I, I just don't understand it. I mean, could we do a 16-team playoff? I mean, because it's getting to the point where people the, the bowl games almost don't matter. People don't want to watch them. Now, there's some people that say, well, the bowl games are for the kids. You get some swag. You get a nice swag bag. It's one more time with the fellas. And then some people say, well, then you say all that, but then you got some players that are like, well, if I got an NFL such chance, I'm not going to play in this bowl game because I don't want to get hurt. I mean, it almost gets to the point where it's like, should it actually get down to a playoff, like an FCS type of playoff where maybe you get 16 teams in or a team of 32, you get your top 25 teams in plus, you know, seven guys and then just play on out. And basically everyone's football season ends at the end of November. And if you don't get into the playoff and just play the playoff all the way to probably January. I would I would personally stop at eight um, because I once you start getting to 16, I think you could I think you're getting, you know, several three, maybe even some four loss teams mm-hmm. in there. And, mm-hmm. and you're really hurting the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I really like about college football and, and something that I think hasn't been lost completely, but but maybe in some schools like Alabama and Clemson, it, it, they won at such a high level that this maybe this has been been lost. But. You can have a successful college football season 
without going to the playoff. You can accomplish goals in college football without, you know, winning a national championship. And, and the goals for every team are different. Like Ohio state had a great season. They, they, they lost one game. They won a big 10 championship. You know, they beat their biggest rival, but they're not going to play in the playoff, but there's still, there's still a lot to take out of that season. You know, Michigan beat Michigan state, you know, they had their best season in the big 10 since, since expansion. And, Mm -hmm. and all these, like, there's all these little, you know, victories that you can take out of it, even though it's not the big victory. So if Michigan goes and wins a peach bowl, yes, it's a quote unquote meaningless bowl game in terms of, you know, the national championship, but there is some meaning to Mm -hmm. finishing with 11 wins for the first time since 2011, you know, uh, winning a power six bowl that you've never won, um, probably finishing in the top five or six of the rankings. So it it really depends on your perspective. I, I don't, you know, I don't hold it against players who are going to be NFL draft picks sitting out. Um, that's their choice. And, and, you know, after seeing what happened to Jake, Butt a few years ago, I, I do get the risk. So, um, but for the people who do play, I think, I think there, there is a lot of meaning in, in those bowl games. So Michigan ends up playing Florida over in the peach bowl. That's on the uh, 29th at 12 noon, high noon. Now we move on over to basketball, which, uh, we talk about the <clears throat> that, that 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 good team. I, I I love watching Michigan basketball. I talked about it off the air. I met uh, uh, Beeline and a really tall man. But last season, before they ended up being back to back Big Ten champions, they kind of had a real rough patch. People wanted to fire this man. I mean, how does John Beeline do it? He doesn't get the top recruits. He's not getting with the guys that Calipari gets. But I do like Xavier Simpson because he is from this area, from Lima Senior, and uh, mm-hmm. I love that. How does he do it? He gets these kids, Mo Wagner, uh, Duncan Robinson, guys that are actually playing in the NBA who pff, weren't even on anyone's radar when they came out of high school or from overseas. What's this man doing? How about uh, how about Duncan Robinson transferring from Division Three? Yeah, yeah. You know, coming to Michigan, looking like a you know a traffic cone on defense for two years, and then Beeline turns him into a you know a two way NBA player. So, um, yeah, John John Beeline has had a formula for. The last several years since really since the start of the Tim Hardaway, Trey Burke era, when he started going to NCAA tournaments, um, he, he recruits the right guys, not necessarily the best guys. And um, he has a vision for, for every player before they even uh, join his system. And and throughout the year and throughout their four, three, four years at Michigan, they improve and they fit perfectly into the spot where beeline had envisioned them. So, you know, like you said, uh, people wanted beeline fired. That was, you know, the, the hottest his seat got was two seasons ago. Michigan played a home game against Ohio state. They had a big lead. They ended up blowing it and they fell to 14 and nine on the season. It looked like they were going to miss the big, the NCAA tournament. And, uh, from then on, you know, they, they almost won out. They lost a couple games there. Um, won the big 10 tournament last year, won the big 10 tournament again, ran to the, final four so it's just he he has earned patience and trust uh because he's go his team is going to play its best basketball in late february in march um you know throughout the tournaments so he he doesn't win at the level of a duke or a kentucky but he wins at the right time just as well as them and and his teams improve um because he has you know he 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 has guys like Xavier Simpson who just completely buy in to the system and, and do whatever it takes. And he's one of the best defenders in the country. Um, and a guy like Charles Matthews, who 
isn't you know he's a he's an unfinished, um, unpolished offensive product. But he's but the transfer good, though wasn't he a transfer from Kentucky yes. though? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. He he was a former Kentucky five star who, who came to Michigan. You know he wasn't getting a, a lot of run at Kentucky, um, and now now you know he's one of the leaders of a team that's coming off a national championship appearance. So the the V line guys they they buy in they improve dramatically, um, and and they fit perfectly into his system. Wow, and is it the system? I mean, I, I watched on M Go Blue before. He said that when he has his coaches, if it's a coach that comes up to him and says, "I can get you kids," I can get you kids. He doesn't want to hire them. He wants guys in there teaching basketball, and and I think that's one of the good things I like about. Him. I mean, just for as a coaching perspective, for me, it seems like he goes in there, he teaches these guys how to play basketball, and it looks like he's really big on skill development. It's not just I want the prepackage. Yep. He's getting the kid, like you said, he has a vision for them. He sees their potential, and he gets the most out of them. Have you been to a Michigan practice before? Yeah, they used to have a practice once every year, um, an open practice that that we that I would go to every year. Um, uh, you know, being out of school, being a little bit farther away, I haven't gone the last two years. But mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you, John Beeline's team still do drills that I guarantee your uh, JV basketball team does. Um, they really they really pound the fundamentals. Um, nothing is taken for granted. Uh, you know whether it's you know closeouts, uh, pa- making good passes, not only not only the right passes, but the right passes to the right spot so that you're ready to shoot. Um, it, he 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 picks up on everything and and he hammers it into his guys. Um, and and you mentioned you know the coaches that he was hiring. He he hired Luke Yaklich away from Illinois State two years ago mm-hmm. to basically and basically handed him the reins of the defense. And stepped back and said, you know, do your thing. And I think a coach knowing what he doesn't know is almost as valuable as is knowing what he does know. And, you know, Michigan in the course of two years has gone from a team that would only win if it could outscore you to one of the, you know, this year they have the best defense in the country, the best defensive efficiency in the nation. So, um, and last year they were number three. So it's, it's been a complete turnaround because, because Beeline hired the right guys who teach skills, like you said. Yeah, like I said, I, I, it's just it's just crazy how the team now the it's kind of crazy because Villanova is really kind of falling off. But then again, they lost a lot of pro player, pro spot, mm-hmm. pro prospects. But last season, what it w- would have it done for his career if he would have won that national championship? Because the one against Louisville, I guess Louisville's vacated now, and obviously he talked about how yeah, we can't really claim that one. Louisville literally beat us on the floor, right? But this last past season, if he would have won the national championship, would it have because I know Michigan's a football school and it probably will always be a football school. Harbaugh and then will always get the spotlight while even Beeline, you know, even though they're doing well, it's almost like they get pushed pushed aside. But let's say they won the national championship. Would it kind of put them on the level of the football team and would have kind of, you know, hey, Michigan's got a good, really good basketball team too? I think it would it would be the cherry on top, but I don't think that's beeline necessarily needs it um, for people to understand what he's done. Uh, if anything, last year, really last year really was the wake up call that like, man, we've got, we've got one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, when I was in school, Michigan football, you know, Brady Hoke era, it, our best, our best season was a, a, a more, more or less meaningless sugar bowl win. Um, <laughs> they beat, the teams that they beat the teams that were horrible. They they lost to the 
teams that, you know, they really needed to beat to have a special season. And then they went to the Sugar Bowl and beat a Virginia Tech team who really didn't have any business being in BCS Bowl. So the, the team, the team that, you know, kept everything afloat was the basketball team. They, they won a couple of regular season Big Ten titles. They, you know, went on, uh, back-to-back deep tournament runs to the national championship game and then you know one shot miracle shot from kentucky away from uh back-to-back final fours mm-hmm. so th- that was when you know the the real hardcore michigan sports fans realized like hey we got something here and then for him to win back-to-back big 10 tournaments the last two years go to the sweet 16 two years last year and then um to the final four again this year i think people understand he does it, w- it would take if he wins a national championship, it's going to, it's going to take him to another level. It'll be no question that he's, you know, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach of Michigan basketball all time. Um, but I don't think he necessarily needs it for people to appreciate what he's done. Because right now Michigan's two and zero in the conference. And guess who's behind them? Good old Ohio state, that team down South, as I like to say. And they're also 10 and zero right now. Uh, overall, I mean, like I said, this is very impressive. Got a number five ranking. Did, did people expect that with this team, or was it one of those things where okay, they're coming off a national championship loss, it might be a little bit of a rebuilding year without Mo Wagner? Yeah, Michigan lost three of its top four scorers, and uh, Mo Wagner, uh, Abdul Rahman, Duncan Robinson. So, and and like I said earlier, the Michigan <laughs> Michigan teams under Beeline traditionally start off a little slower you know, they're going to get better throughout the year and, you know, they're going to play their best basketball in February and March. Well, this year, um, when people really didn't expect much out of Michigan, the first couple months, they've been probably the, the most impressive team in the entire country, you know, beating the pants off North Carolina, crushing Villanova on the road. They beat a good Purdue team. They beat an, a, a decent Providence team. Um, th- this was not at all what I expected um, following Beeline at Michigan. Uh, and if they get better throughout the year, as the team has every year under Beeline, and they're already this good in mid-December, uh, it could be a team that goes to another Final Four. That that that, that would be really crazy. And I'm I'm looking at the schedule, seeing who's uh, coming up next, because it's kind of weird how you're mixing in Big Ten play already, and it's not really. To, you know, I'm so used to like conference play starting in January right. for a lot of schools. That happens here with the smaller divisions with the MAC here at Toledo, where you play out of conference. November, December, and then the then you're in the MAC conference, you know, in January till till the March for the conference championship. But then here, it starts really early, almost in December, almost. Right. And now, that, well, but, the, the Big Ten decided that this is the first year um, uh, of expanded Big Ten play. Every every Big Ten team is playing 20 conference games this year, as opposed to 18 right. in the past. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that they. they Everybody played those two games the first week of December. And then, like you said, it's kind of strange. You go back and play, you know, four or five games against, you know, lesser teams and, and build up your win total. And then you got to go right back into conference play after the holiday. Speaking of which, they play Western Michigan at 2, two o'clock on a yes. Saturday. So, yep. And then it's Air Force and then Penn State, you know, on, on the third. And you had South Carolina come in into town. But then but before that, you were at Northwestern, had a close one, and then you mm-hmm. played Purdue. So it's like Purdue, Northwestern, South Carolina, Western Michigan, Air Force in the mm-hmm. middle there. Um, another small, small school they play on the, the 30th. I'm trying to think yeah, who they're Binghamton. Binghamton, yeah. And then you're, you got Penn State, who's going to be a really tough team this year, as, as, by the way. What's so, that? yeah, yeah, I think I think you look at the upcoming schedule and, and you see, you know, obviously the three remaining 
non-conference games that Michigan should take care of. And then a couple of, um, a couple of conference games at home that they should, you know, they're going to be favored against Penn state at home. They're going to be favored against a good Indiana team at home. So you just kind of wonder how long can they, you know, stay undefeated. Can they be the last remaining undefeated team? It's just, it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Now the big 10 championship, is it where it's not in New York again? Is it? It's back no, it's in Chicago. Chicago. So it's back to its roots. Cause I know the last two years that, that, that Michigan has won it, even though they get fans everywhere, they've won it in Washington DC, especially after that plane incident, which could have mm-hmm. been scary. Mm-hmm. And they went up there to the big apple to Madison, which was weird. Seeing them, the Big Ten Championship at the big, you know, the Madison Square yes. Garden, because even though it's the most famous arena in the world, you think of the Big East, not the Big Ten there. But right. now Chicago, I think of Big Ten basketball. I think of the Chicago and the United Center. That's that's just me. When I, you know, <clears throat> Chicago, Chicago is great. It it's, makes way more sense than um, than New York or Washington D.C. Obviously, because Maryland but and Rutgers. The, I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you. As someone who's who's been to you know when I was in school went to the Big Ten tournament every year. No city does it like Indianapolis. Um, really, that entire yep, that life. entire yep that entire city you know kind of turns into the Big Ten tournament for one weekend. Whereas in Chicago, you know, it's just another thing going on in a in a huge city. So, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, if I had my way, every year it would be in, Indiana. in Indianapolis, okay. where yeah, yeah, they sort of you know every team has a designated you know, team bar, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the whole city is just sort of, you know, engulfed by this tournament and, and it's really cool. And, and, and the arena fills up pretty good for the final couple of days. Um, Chicago is definitely, is definitely fun. It's a good venue too. Um, but you know, the, I, Indianapolis, no, nobody quite does it like them. See, that makes sense. I tell people that about <clears throat> the Mac tournament, people are like, why is it always over in Cleveland at the, at the queue? There's no fans there. And it's, but it's like, hold on. Is the experience Cleveland really has embraced the MAC tournament? Whereas, like you said, each bar has a team bar. Now, right. <clears throat> most of the time, the team bars are the team that usually get to the MAC tournament almost every year. I mean, that's that pretty much what happens if you're a winning team, you get the team bar. But Cleveland's downtown has been built up so much; it's so much to do. But when the MAC tournament is there, there is a buzz. It's on a small time because it's a smaller right. conference. But that's yep. what I'm, I'm kind of getting the feeling with you that Indianapolis actually embraces it. And I think if that's the case, then maybe they need to keep it in Indianapolis every year then because you want to go somewhere where you're wanted. You don't want to go somewhere where, you know, you're just another event on the schedule. And then once you're done, they're trying to push you out so they can get the circus in. You know, that that's to me, right. that's just ridiculous. So if like you're saying, if it is Indianapolis, which is not, you know, Baker's Life Arena is a good arena. If mm-hmm. that's what the way it is there, then maybe the Big Ten should say, you know what? This is where we're going to be at. Yep. Screw everyone else. I think I think they're staying in Indianapolis and Chicago the next few years. So I think that's good for the majority of the fan bases. It's a little bit closer. It's a little more familiar. Um, if they're if you're somebody who's gone several times, so um, I'm I, I I get why they wanted to have a couple a couple tournaments in in different spots where they have newer Big Ten teams, but it it feels right that it's back back in the Midwest. I gotta ask you this. Should they reconsider having Maryland and Rutgers in the league, especially Rutgers? What do they really add? I mean, I understand you're trying to get the New York market, but I think Rutgers kind of waters down. The football team is horrible. 
basketball team doesn't really bring anything. And then other sports, I don't think they're really very competitive in. It's like Rutgers doesn't add anything to your league. And Maryland just doesn't seem like the fit anymore. It, it, it just seems like, it, I don't know, maybe I'm old school, but when I think of Maryland, I think of ACC and more of the tobacco road battles with the yeah. Carolina and Duke and stuff. What do you think? Yeah, I, def- I, I the Rutgers thing, um, you know, the only thing they add to the conference is, is a consistent punching bag in all the major sports. <laughs> Get and, a win. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah. You already nailed it. It's it's the TV market. It's expanding the footprint. Um, in terms of being competitive on the field, Maryland adds a little. Rutgers adds nothing. So, um, I, I would prefer to have a, a more competitive teams um, in at least one of the two sports than than Rutgers. Maryland is at least solid in basketball most years. So, um, yeah, I w- I'm not in favor of you know Rutgers, but it's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, what about Michigan women's basketball? Do you cover them? I know that. No, I no, I don't. You know, they got kind of a decent, exciting brand of, of basketball. I was going to talk a little bit about them, but then you don't cover them. So uh, your prediction, a bold prediction, you know, what do you think this Wolverines team can do? Can they win the national championship, or is Duke too much with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett? But then again, they could get knocked out. Who knows? Yeah, Duke, Duke isn't too much for Michigan. Um, nobody is too much for Michigan this year. Uh, North Carolina is going to be end up being one of the best teams in the country, I think. What about Gonzaga? Michigan, um, yeah, I think I mean Gonzaga, very very good team. Uh, Duke, very good. Tennessee, awesome. Mm-hmm. But Michigan is right up there with them and and could beat them on any given night uh, because none of those teams will see a defense like Michigan's um, with the perimeter pressure that Xavier Simpson brings, the rim protection that 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 John Teske has brought this season. Um, and, and this team is only going to get better. So do I think Michigan would be favored against Duke if they met on a neutral court today? No, I don't. But I definitely think that they would have a shot. And, you know, I, I, I would probably I would probably pick them to uh, to be right there. Mm, wow, that, that's a good bowl prediction. What you got going on for the weekend, man? Well, bowl games finally. Um, <laughs> we, got, we got through the worst two weeks of sports uh, of the year, maybe, with uh, no competitive basketball games. And zero college football so except for the army navy game so uh gonna watch some bowl games we got you know michigan basketball playing today for the first time in a week we got you know more more michigan football recruiting going on uh, as the early signing period comes up so um it should be a it's, it's going to be a sports filled weekend for me and you, you well i mean there was a competitive nba game so what about the lions i mean your thoughts on Matt Patricia? Now, are you at are you at those press conferences where he basically dogs everybody, even though he has a pencil in his in his ear and a beard that looks like he hasn't shaven in fifty years, and he wears a backwards cap? I'm not at the press conferences, but if I was, I'd be sitting up straight. I'll tell you that. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, the Lions. Um, the Lions are the same team that they've been for the last sixty years. Um, they. You know, they pitched in the offseason that nine and seven wasn't good enough. So they brought in Matt Patricia and, and now, you know, right now they're the best, four and eight, aren't they? Now five and eight. Yeah. The, the best they can do is, you know, eight and eight. So um, there's actually a, a, a scenario where several teams need to lose and the Lions need to win out where they can still get into the playoffs. But I'm not really buying into any of that. Um, the the, the think, Bears can win the division if they win and the Vikings lose. Right. So yeah, the Lions. Um, they 
it was a it was a, an immediate red flag when they got blown out by the Jets early in the season. They sort of sucked people back in when they beat the Patriots. Um, but in the end, they're just you know they're just not they don't have very much talent on defense. They they don't have a whole lot of of weapons on offense without Golden Tate. Um, you wish they trade it, which they got basically rid of. Right. I think I think Carryon Johnson is a very exciting player who's going to be good. What about good for the Lions? I think Kenny Galladay um, is really good. Um, he disappears sometimes. He's not he's not a consistent dominant presence in the passing game, but I think that he is their best receiver. Um, so they, they've got a few good pieces, but I really think they need to build up the defense because you know once you get past Slay. Uh, Quandre Diggs, a couple Jared Davis is playing better, but once you get past those guys, there's there's really not a whole lot to like. I, I say this, and I mean, I just, maybe because I'm just a coach, and I just get that knack and that feel. I just don't think, uh, to me personally, this is just me that Patricia Pat Patricia's the guy. I just for some reason I get this feeling that even if you do get in the talent, with the expectation you're getting because he's from the Belichick tree. Just the way he's acted, it's almost like I don't think he's really ready to be a head coach. And, you know, the things that he – how you're treating the media right now, dude, you don't have the cachet to be talking mm-hmm. to people like that. For one, your appearance is not the best. And, two, the football team doesn't even look all that great. I mean, if you were such a great coach, even what you just said with the talent they had, let's say they were overachieving. Then I'd be like, okay, dude, you got a team that's not that good, but you're getting them to overachieve and win. But, you you, you know, you're looking bad out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pull the plug on him just yet, but there are definitely signs that, you know, a couple of times he's looked in over his head on the sideline. Um, like you said, already snapping at the media. Um, it hasn't been a good look overall. And I think people were really excited about him as a hire in the off season. And now I think they're a little nervous about, you know, is he the guy who's going to finally get the Lions to a playoff win or, you know, maybe win a division title over the next couple of years. I, I don't see it, but you know, he has, he's only been, he's only been here for three quarters of a season. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get fired for after one year No, 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 uh, no, because he's, you know, he's Quinn's guy and, and Quinn's kind of, you know, pushed all his chips to the center of the table with Patricia. So um, I, if you're, if you're asking, do I think Patricia gets the lines over the top? No, I don't. Yeah, that's I. I don't think he will, and I and I think I feel sad for Lions fans because <clears throat> I think you're yeah. gonna have three or four years of either mediocrity or possibly it looks like they're flirting with something and it just gets destroyed. And right. Stafford, you know, some people are he's kind of hot and cold, and you know, what's his face that works for Fox Sports now, the black guy. I can't think. I can't think of his name right off. The, he calls him Matt Padford. That he, stat, yeah. he he pads his stats against the bad teams and make it look like he's really a great player, but when it comes to playing the best teams, he, he fades away. Yeah, uh, this has been one of his worst years, I think, um, for the Lions. And there have been a couple games where the Lions had the ball with a chance late in the game, and he's turned it over. The pick six on Thanksgiving, especially, oh. comes to mind. So, <laughs> no, nah, not a great year for Stafford. And do you do do you cover the Pistons too, or no? Yeah, yeah. I, I've watched them play. I think they're a pretty good team, but it seems like they're just inconsistent. It seems like they could be a team that could sneak up on people, don't you think? Yeah, they. Uh, this is this is maybe the third, fourth year in a row that they've gotten off to a really good start. You know, people start talking about, you know, maybe they can get the sixth seed. Maybe they can, you know, win a playoff series. But 
then they lose, you know, they've lost six in a row. They're, they're back to 500. Uh, they have a few good players. It's just that the point guard play to me is, is always going to, is always going to hold them back. Um, yeah, because Jackson I, is just inconsistent right. and always. A, I think you need a point guard who can shoot. Um, I think you need a point guard who makes the right play in crunch time. And uh, from what I've seen uh, with Reggie Jackson, he, He's more of a volume shooter than a good shooter, mm-hmm. and when when the game when when it comes down to the last few moments of a, of a close game, he's more of a you know I have to I have to be the guy to make a play more than a guy who takes the ball down and makes the right play. So I think Blake Griffin is you know very good. Um, if you if you throw out the, con- the, the the terrible contract, you know he's he's a very good player. He's the leader of the team, um, but beyond that. They're just. I don't. I don't think the Pistons are the kind of team that could win a playoff series, especially if you know they're they're going up going up against one of the you know Celtics or one of the better teams in the East. Yeah, and that, that is and Ish Smith is who he is. He's a backup point guard. It can fill in and give you great minutes, but don't expect him to be making plays for you and stuff right. like that. And that, that I, I've told people that the whole time that I think Drummond and Blake Griffin probably one of the better front courts in the league. But when you Think about it. Nowadays in basketball, it's all about guard play, about how the rule changes mm-hmm. are. And if you don't have that great guard player or at least consistent guard play, you, you're not going to be really getting a lot of wins. Right. Well, Derek, that was a lot. Talking about Michigan. We, you know, we're in Ohio. We don't really get to talk a lot about Michigan sports. So we really got our great feel of that here on, on after further review. And yeah. like I said, man, call in any time. I probably will be hitting you up later on in March when sure. the Wolverines are going to be making their uh, little uh, NCAA playoff push. Yeah, anytime, man. It's good to be on. Oh, thank you so much. And, and you know what? Enjoy the bowl games and, uh, like you said, a little bit more competitive stuff going on from here on out. Right. And the NBA season actually really starts after Christmas. Yep. All right, Derek. Yep. Thanks so much, man. Okay. Take care. Yep. That was Derek Hutchinson here. I call him Hutch is Clutch. Here on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, as he was uh, bringing you some a lot about Michigan sports, Detroit Lions, Detroit Pistons, Michigan football, Michigan basketball. Got it all here in an hour or so. And uh, we'll be having it up here on the web, on the uh, actual uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Speaking of which, always make sure you check us out. I haven't posted stuff in lately because, like I said, I've been pretty much busy. A um, whole bunch of stuff going on right now with me. So um, please bear with us. But this was a great interview. And like I said, we'll post it up on the uh, website as soon as possible. But make sure you check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's WXUT's After Further Review. Um on itunes if you got an iphone make sure you go out check us out give us the five stars and uh, we always got the juicy stuff for you we're always on live sometimes or tape on wxut 88.3 saturdays 11 to 1 with myself and frank vashner once again on soundcloud wxut's after further review with the picture of frank vashner in the horse's head that's right he lost a bet so we added on for you coming up next more Things from myself, Frank, and David here on 88.3 WCTs. After further review, we'll be back after this. 